Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Tianda Bradley was a wonderful big sister to Diamond, who was seven years younger than her. Tianda and Diamond lived at home with their mother, Tracy, a hardworking single woman, and the two girls were often left to fend for themselves while their mother worked. In July of 2001, Tianda and Diamond were enjoying their summer in their Southside Chicago home. Tianda was enrolled in a summer camp, and she and Diamond were surrounded by an extended family. This included aunts, uncles, and cousins. Fun-loving and responsible Tianda could be mature for her age. She was only 10 years old herself, but she did take on a caring role for her three-year-old sister, Diamond. Tracy had to leave the girls home alone sometimes, but with Tianda's maturity, she felt like they would be okay for short periods of time. On July 6, 2001, the girl's mother had to get up early and go to work. She would be leaving Tianda and Diamond home alone for about half a day. Tianda would stay home from camp that day as well. Tracy left the house at 6.30 a.m., with both girls just waking up. Around 8 a.m., she called to check in on them, but no one answered. She figured they had just gone back to sleep. Around 8.30, another call home also went unanswered. Their mom was getting concerned, but not yet panicked. It would be 11 a.m. when she returned home from work and noticed that the girls were nowhere to be found in the apartment. She would find a mysterious note, however, possibly written by Tianda. She searched for her girls on her own, along with family members, and finally, around 7 p.m., she reported the girls missing to the local police. Where are Tianda and Diamond Bradley? And welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing persons case. In this instance, missing children, two sisters who have been missing for far too long, missing with very few clues to go on. Please remember that sharing these stories and keeping attention on them is vital in many cases to getting answers. By listening to the stories of Diamond and Tianda, you are helping to spread awareness. Also, a reminder, our podcast can be found not only on all audio podcast platforms, you can find the Where Are They podcast on YouTube, social media, and you can sign up for written transcripts as well if you'd prefer to read these cases instead of listen. All of that information can be found on our website at wherearetheypodcast.com. The important thing to us is that you get these stories one way or another. A quick disclaimer about this episode on Tianda and Diamond. Every once in a while, I come across a case with a vast amount of rumor and speculation. This is one of those type of cases. But I've also come across a lot of conflicting information, which has made it really hard to weed through and find the facts. 
And this case seems to provoke emotions from many people, and rightly so. So I'm sure I'll have some comments and emails about these facts or maybe even rumors that I left out or alleged facts that I should have covered. But I am not here to spread any misinformation in any way. There are several instances in this case when this happens, when there is conflicting information. And if it's a topic important enough to bring up, I will let you know what the different stories are and you can try and decide for yourself which you think might be fact and which isn't. Now, I imagine authorities have had a similar struggle while investigating this case also. So let's get into the stories of Tianda and Diamond Bradley. Tianda Bradley was born January 20th, 1991 to mom, Tracy. She had a two-year-old sister at home already named Rita. And a year later, she would welcome another sister named Victoria. As a young child, Tianda was fun-loving and smart. She loved to dance. If music came on or you could hear music coming from somewhere, no matter where they were, Tianda would start dancing. When Tianda was seven years old, she would become a big sister to Diamond. Diamond was a quiet and thoughtful child, and as she grew into a toddler, it was said she loved to pick on her older sisters. But despite this, the girls had a good relationship. Tianda especially enjoyed being a big sister, and since her mother was a single mom, she often took on the role of caregiver even though she herself was just 10 years old. The girls lived with their mom in their Southside Chicago apartment, and they also lived nearby several extended family members, grandparents, cousins, aunts, and uncles. And those who knew the family said that they might have had their struggles, but by all accounts, the girls seemed happy. The Disappearance On July 5th, 2001, Tracy had a couple of friends over to watch the baseball game, the Mets versus the Chicago Cubs. These friends were a neighbor named George and his friend named Stephen. Tianda and Diamond were home, but older sister Rita and sister Victoria were going to spend the night at their grandmother's place, which was just down the street from their apartment. On July 6th, 2001, Tianda and Diamond woke up early and supposedly said goodbye to their mother around 6.30 a.m. Mom Tracy worked just down the street at a facility serving lunch, and she would be home in a few hours. And Tianda, even though she was just 10 years old, was mature and responsible enough to watch over herself and three-year-old Diamond. At least that's what Tracy believed. Typically on that day, Tianda would have attended summer camp at the school down the street from their apartment. But on that day, she would not go possibly because she had to stay home and watch Diamond. However, the reason for her absence was never really explained by family. Tianda also knew the rules when she was home. She was to call her mother with any questions. She was to not answer the door for strangers, and she was to stay inside the apartment until their mom got home. And Tianda was known to be a rule follower. Tracy left the house around 6.30 a.m. when her on-again and off-again boyfriend, George Washington, picked her up. Now, take note, this is a different George than the neighbor George that had visited Tracy's apartment the night before. To keep it from getting confusing, boyfriend is George Washington and the neighbor George, I'm going to call him neighbor George. At 8 o'clock a.m., she called home to check on her girls, but no one answered. She figured they had likely gone back to bed. 
She called again at 8.30 and one more time around 9, and still no answers. Tracy had started to worry, but truly believed that they had likely just fallen asleep. Finally, around 11 o'clock a.m., Tracy left work to head home. Some reports state that George Washington was with her, that he brought her home, and some said that he was not with her. Herein lies one of those discrepancies and conflicts. Was he with Tracy when she arrived at home to find her girls missing? We really can't say for certain. Some of the reports state that he was with Tracy and that he actually went up to Tracy's third floor apartment with her that morning, which Tracy would later say was odd. He usually stayed in the car and did not come up to the apartment. While looking around the apartment, Tracy couldn't find the girls anywhere. They certainly weren't in bed sleeping and there was no sign of them being in the apartment at all. But Tracy did discover a note in Tianda's handwriting. While the note hasn't been made public, it did say something about the girls going to walk to the nearby store and then to the playground at the elementary school next to their apartment. And while this did look to be Tianda's handwriting, her mom immediately felt like something was off. Tianda would never have left the apartment. And if for some reason that she had, she would have called her mother on the phone to ask, not written her a note. She had never done anything like this before. Tracy also thought the note was worded strangely for Tianda. And although it looked like her writing, it just didn't sound as if it was something that Tianda would have wrote. Tianda and Diamond Bradley were missing. The Search Tracy began by calling around to family members. Remember, they had a large extended family network around them. And together, her and her family would hop in their cars and drive around the neighborhoods looking for the girls. Tracy was afraid to call the police at first because she had left the girls home alone. She was afraid of CPS or Child Protective Services being called on her. Part of this stemmed from a family member having recently lost their children to CPS. This was also 2001, and racial tensions in Chicago were high. There was a fair amount of distrust between the Black residents of Chicago and the police. Tracy really felt like she had to deal with this on her own and find her girls herself. However, after searching for eight hours and turning up no sign of the little girls, she finally decided that she had to report her daughter's missing. And to her surprise and relief, local police hit the ground running, but it was noted right away that the family wasn't always very receptive to their help. Was this because they were just initially very distrustful of the police? Or was there another reason? First, law enforcement conducted neighborhood searches themselves, and they did find some girls who thought they had seen Tianda and Diamond playing outside around 12 p.m., noontime. But that didn't really make sense if Tracy said she had returned home at 11 a.m. and started looking for the girls. If they had been outside playing, wouldn't she have seen them? Next, they started interviewing family members, lots of family members. Tracy was said to be uncooperative most of the time, but her defense to that was that she felt like the police were treating her as a suspect and they were being very unfair to her from the start. 
At one point, authorities approached her for an interview and she became so combative that they ended up putting her in handcuffs and taking her down to the station. It was said that Tracy was questioned that initial day in those initial days for 22 hours straight, which if that is true, that is just insane. She had remained adamant too during this time that she wanted to be out there searching for her girls. The police questioning her was frustrating to her to no end. Tracy was also given a polygraph test, and while those results weren't officially made public, sources have said that she did pass the test. Law enforcement was also able to pull the phone records and confirm that Tracy had called home a few times that morning, just like she had said. There were also a few other calls to the apartment that morning, but none of them were answered. Tracy realized, actually, it was Tracy's sister that discovered a voicemail when checking Tracy's phone. There was a voicemail message from the girls that morning, a voicemail from Tianda saying that George was at the door and she was calling to see if she could let him in. This voicemail was left at 8.17 a.m., the morning the girls disappeared. Family members have claimed to have heard this voicemail, several family members, in fact. But law enforcement said that they have not, and they have asked to hear it, but I don't know if the voicemail was deleted and cannot be retrieved or what the situation was, but law enforcement said they never were able to hear that voicemail. Now, if Tianda did leave a voicemail to that effect, it does go with what the family has said about Tianda, that she was very responsible and that she would call her mother for permission to do anything. The issue now became looking for George. They wanted to verify this voicemail or get more information about George possibly showing up at the door. And there were two Georges that the family was close with. First, there was the on-again, off-again boyfriend, George Washington, that had picked Tracy up that morning to take her to work. Authorities questioned him and they gave him a lie detector test as well, but the results were reported as being inconclusive. While this George remained a person of interest, there was no evidence pointing to him to having taken the girls anywhere. But there was another George authorities had to look at. This George lived in their apartment building and he was a family friend. This George could have easily walked over to their apartment and knocked on the door and the girls certainly would have known who he was. He had, in fact, been at the apartment the night before. But law enforcement has not released what, if anything, they learned about this George's whereabouts that morning. Tracy and her family continued to plead with the media for help, and soon the search for Tianda and Diamond became Chicago's largest missing person search in history. Everyone wanted to know where these girls were. Everyone in the community was invested. Handwriting experts also looked closely at the note that was allegedly left by Tianda. And they agreed it did indeed appear to be Tianda's writing, but it was noted that it just didn't sound like something a 10-year-old would write. The note hasn't been made public, but it is in the custody of the FBI. According to Tracy and other family members, the note was worded like something an older person would say, not a child. And it also had perfect spelling and punctuation. Tracy just felt that either Tianda did not write this note or that someone had forced her to write it, telling her exactly what to say, exactly what to write down letter for letter. But if someone had forced her to write that note, 
who was it? The girl's biological fathers also needed to be investigated, which opened up a whole other controversy. First, Tianda's father lived in Morocco, and investigators would travel to Morocco to question him. He was cleared of any involvement. Second, the father of Diamond needed to be looked into. But it was soon learned that the man who thought he was Diamond's father and had been paying child support for the three years since she was born was actually not her biological father. A DNA test would soon prove that George Washington was actually Diamond's biological father. What a tangled web this story continues to be. The timeline continues to be in question also. I'm not going to do a deep dive here, but there are also some interesting stories that contradict each other or just kind of don't line up. First, we believe we know that Tracy and maybe George went to their apartment at 11 a.m. after her work shift that morning. But there are also stories that George Washington and Tracy went to the apartment for a little bit, looked for the girls, and then decided to go to a nearby grocery store to buy items for an upcoming camping trip. And they would do all of this not knowing where Tianda and Diamond were, but apparently they weren't too alarmed yet. And this alleged camping trip also comes into question by a lot of people. And law enforcement isn't even sure what to make of it. There were no signs before that trip to the store that they were actually planning on going camping, unless it was going to be completely spontaneous. However, neither Tracy nor George had any camping gear or made any concrete plans on where they would stay and who all was going to go. Additionally, other family members said that they knew nothing about this camping trip. Yet another questionable piece of evidence that was learned was that on the day of the girl's disappearance, George Washington went to a nearby store and purchased a box of those large black contractor bags and rubber gloves. He told detectives that he was doing some house projects at home. That's what he needed those items for. There was also a statement that George dumped a couple of bags of trash into a lagoon at Washington Park, but I can't confirm where this statement or belief came from. A neighbor, perhaps? Did someone see him? However, searches of the lagoon turned up nothing. No sign of these trash bags, no sign of the trash at all. Another interesting piece of evidence found was a blanket found in the trunk of George's car that allegedly had a piece of Tianda's hair on it. But it also had a strand of Tracy's hair. It was a blanket. And George's reasoning for that was that he said sometimes as a family, they all went to the drive-in movie theater And he would have the girls ride in the trunk of the car so he could sneak them in without having to pay for them. Very recently, the TV show Disappeared featured the story of the Bradley sisters. In this show, Tracy dropped a bombshell. She said that she had lied during the initial investigation and that she was not home the night before. Instead, she said neighbor George and his friend came over as she had stated, but that at some point she would leave and go stay with her boyfriend, George Washington, meaning the girls were home alone for the night or were they possibly left with George and his friend? So it seems Tracy did not see them in the morning leaving for work as she had originally told investigators. 
Law enforcement continued to pound the pavement looking for these girls to turn up any leads, any clues. Rewards were offered and pleas were made to the public. Authorities conducted physical searches. They interviewed hundreds of people and they followed up on every tip and every lead. But everything led to a dead end. Years would go by and this case would remain one of Chicago's biggest mysteries. False Hope In 2019, two women reached out to the family from Texas. They claimed to be Diamond and Tianda, and they said that they have been living in Texas. Now, the family was hopeful. Something seemed different with this lead. Of course, over the last 18 years prior to this, the family had numerous leads that never panned out. But this one gave them some hope. Tracy's aunt and the girl's great aunt, Sheila, said this one just felt different. But sadly, through the diligent work of investigators, it was determined that the woman making these claims was a fraud. And this is the statement that the family made on Facebook. Quote, With agonizing regret, the search for Diamond and Tianda Bradley continues. Unfortunately, the information provided on social media from this group of scammers are not missing Diamond or Tianda Bradley. We hope that all will continue to provide any tips as to the whereabouts of Diamond and Tianda Bradley, and we thank you, the community, the law enforcement community, and the news that covered this heartbreaking hoax. We further thank the private investigator and all the tips that were provided to expose those responsible for this cruel and evil act. End quote. It's absolutely disgusting to me that people prey on families when they're at their most vulnerable times. The family would once again get their hopes up earlier this year in May of 2023. Another woman, actually also from Texas, reached out to the family believing that she was Diamond. She had these memories of being taken away in a car when she was very small, and through these other sporadic memories that she had, she believed that she was Diamond Bradley. The woman spoke to the family at length and was very eager to take a DNA test. And the family was really hopeful here. They said in part because they had never had anyone so anxious to take that DNA test. This woman might have truly believed she was Diamond. But as you guessed it, once again, it was determined that this woman was not Diamond Bradley. This woman's motives might not have been intended to be harmful, not like the previous ones. But the family says that every time they get their hopes up, only to have them crushed, it continues to take a toll on all of them. Southside Chicago The family was living in the Lake Grove Village apartment complex on South Cottage Grove Avenue in the south side of Chicago. The apartment complex was built in 1972 and has 458 units. The buildings are 10 stories tall. This is a populated area. Surely someone would see or notice if something happened to these two girls here. 
The Bradley sisters lived in the building on the corner of South Cottage Avenue and 35th Avenue. This was right next to the Doolittle Elementary, where it was first thought the girls might have walked to. Their apartment was also on the third floor. I'm curious if none of the neighbors noticed them that morning at all leaving the building. They were two very young girls. In less than 10 minutes from their apartment, you can be to the shoreline of Lake Michigan. But for the most part, this is a very populated and busy area. It's the city. It's Chicago. There's a few playgrounds within walking distance and several small businesses, lots of apartment complexes. And these apartments are also close by several highways. In general, Chicago is no stranger to crime either. In fact, you'll find Chicago in most top 10 lists of crime-ridden cities in the U.S. And this is true, in fact, with a lot of the bigger cities in the States, not just Chicago. And Chicago definitely ranks as one of the biggest cities. It's actually currently listed as the third largest city in North America. So there is a lot to unpack here. What do you think happened to Tianda and Diamond? Do you think that there are family members that know more than they are saying? Do you think George Washington should continue to be looked at? Or do you think neighbor George is an equal person of interest in this case also? I know it's easy to probably judge mom Tracy or question some of her actions during these times, but she has continued to fight for media coverage for her girls, and she has even helped other families that have had missing loved ones. The family also runs a couple of Facebook pages and groups dedicated to spreading awareness about Diamond and Tianda. Interestingly, Tracy and George Washington went on to have another child together, a son, in 2003, two years after the girls disappeared. It has sadly been 22 years since the girls vanished with still no signs of them. And their family continues every day to search and pray for answers. Tianda Bradley is described as a black female standing four foot two inches tall and weighing around 70 pounds when she was last seen in 2001. She was 10 years old then and would today be 32. Diamond Bradley is described as a black female about three feet tall weighing 40 pounds when she was last seen. She was only three years old and would today be 25. There is a reward for any information leading to Diamond and Tianda, and this case remains one of Chicago's largest mysteries to this day. Anyone with any information on the whereabouts of Tianda and or Diamond is asked to contact the Federal Bureau of Investigation Chicago office at 312-431-1333. Whatever we do, we cannot let this case go cold. Keep sharing Tianda and Diamond's story. This case can be solved, and a family has been searching for far too long for answers. A whole community has been searching. If you've made it this far, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching us on YouTube, we also appreciate a thumbs up and a subscribe. And as always, if you have any feedback or case suggestions for us, 
please contact me on social media. Those links are in the notes, or you can email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. You can also support our show and our mission to help the families of the missing by joining us as a paid subscriber or over on Patreon. Those plans start at just $3 a month, and we use those monies to pass on to families of the missing through their GoFundMes or to their charity of choice. Thank you all so much for listening to Tianda and Diamond's story today. Two little girls, only 10 and 3, when they went missing. Their bouncing pigtails and big smiles could bring out the best in everyone. Their disappearance has broken so many hearts across Chicago and the world. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.